Welcome to The Cockatoo, your source for all things Australian music in the USA. We're coming at you from Los Angeles, California, and this is the interview part of our newsletter where we talk about musical journeys to the United States. Today, I'm very excited to be speaking to the one and only Ben Lee. Most of you will have known Ben for some time, but if you have not, he's an Australian entertainer best known for his music. He started out as a teenager in the band Noise Addict out of Sydney in the early to mid-1990s and since then has released 14 studio albums. Welcome, Ben. Hey, man. Thank you for having me. Great to be talking with you, Ben. And uh, let's let's get this uh, little bit of credit for you out of the way. The whole idea of us doing a newsletter was originally your idea when we caught up. But uh, credit to you for a great way to bring the Australian community together here in the US. And um, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for the idea, mate. Oh, that's cool. I mean, it feels like everyone follows each other and stuff on socials, but actually getting people relevant information is still tricky. You still got to kind of finesse the best way to do that. Yeah, no, it's 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 great. And I, I think it'll be really welcome for people trying to work out, especially people who are new here. And that's a lot of what we talk about in this interview is the journey. So let's get into it. Um, when did you move to the US? Um, well, I moved officially basically the week after my HSC. So that was 96. Okay. Um, I, I didn't call it moving then. I just called it having an adventure. Uh, but, you know, I knew... I mean, I'd already built an audience that was actually just numerically bigger in the US than in Australia. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had the same tiny slice of the pie as an indie musician, but that's more meaningful numbers wise in America. So there were, there were people that I could play to. Um, yeah. And I was just, I was ready for, ready for an adventure, ready to see where it all went. So. You were eighteen when you when you yeah. moved. It? Yeah, oh, gee. yeah. Okay, so you did it early, and so obviously moving is often a process. It's not something that just happens on one day. From that time in nineteen ninety six, have you lived back in Australia since then, or have you been a, a permanent? I resident? lived there for one year in twenty twenty one. Yeah, I mean, I've always, I, I kind of always took the attitude to treat Australia and particularly my work as like as an Australian artist, which meant being very present. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I wasn't living there, I didn't necessarily want my audience to relate to me as like an international artist. I wanted, I don't know, I wanted to stay present in the music industry in, in a certain way. Right. So let's go back to 1996. Tell us about how that went down for you pragmatically, like housing, visas. Tell us that story of how you made that step across. Well, because I was signed and everything, like getting, if you create work, it's actually very easy to get working visas. It's hard to get a working visa if you're going to take a job from someone else. But mm-hmm. if you're employing musicians, agents, you know, whatever it is, like they love people coming and giving them working visas if you're, um, if you're creating work. So I just always went working visa to working visa. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess when I first came, I just crashed with my friends in Glendale mm-hmm. and I didn't drive or anything. Um, so all I really did when I wasn't in the studio was ordered pizza and watch Donahue. Um, <laughs> and I was really just like waiting for stuff to happen. Right. Uh, I, I sort of, I always loved, there was a quote from Kafka. There was something about, you don't need to do anything. The prince of, I'm paraphrasing it, but it was like, be still and solitary. The world will reveal itself to you. It has no choice. It will roll in ecstasy at your feet. And I took that very literally. And I watched a lot of Donahue and ate a lot of pizza. And it did slowly things start to happen. You know, I think part of the issue people have in new places, and I particularly see a lot of Australians have this in LA, is they go, I'm going for two weeks and I'm going to understand it. All right. But, but. 
particularly a city like this, it takes a very long time for it to unfold and for you to grasp just the rhythm of the city, I think. Absolutely. So for those who don't know, Donahue was a, a reality show. I think it was probably the pre-Jerry Springer. It was a little a little bit more. Yeah, it was like mellow, Oprah right? Donahue and yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was like and it was but it was just like yeah, chat show reality TV kind of panel thing. Um but yeah, it's it's sort of I didn't know I made a record right away and then I was like waiting to go on tour, but I didn't want to go back. Because also all my friends had done were either doing gap years mm-hmm. or were and so we're like on, you know, mopeds in Bali yep. or had gone to uni or were working. So everyone was kind of getting on with their life. So I, I was, I wanted to get on with mine, but I knew it involved some patience and some sort of just being present. And I think what I always liked about just the music scene and the creative industries in America was a lot happens every day if you like make yourself available to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just considered it my job was just to be attentive and to just say yes to opportunities. So Awake as a New Sleep comes out in 2005, right? I think so. Sounds right. Right. Yeah. So that 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 does incredibly well. At this point you're signed are you you're signed already through Noise Addict and what you've been doing as a teenager, right? Well, that they'd already been cuz then Breathing Tornadoes was a record I made when I was 19. That was like I guess 99 and that was yeah. my first sort of hit. In Australia, right. and it's always that's so. It was so archetypal. Like I had my first hit when I left. Of course, um, <laughs> but yeah, I'd already been through. But by, by the time Awake is in your sleep, I'd been through multiple record labels, managers. I was a decade into my career by that point. Okay, so you're a pretty experienced artist by the time you move here. So you're moving here in the system. You've got management. You've got a label. You've got sponsors for visas. I didn't have management. My manager okay. was in Australia. Right. And I remember, I sort of thought he'd keep managing me, but I remember him saying to me, I can't do this from over here. So I didn't really have a manager, but I had a good relationship with my label, this label Grand Royal is an indie, and we just kind of figured it out, you know. And I was touring solo acoustics, so there was a lot of, um, I was pretty adaptable. It was cheap for me to tour, yeah. and I could go out and support. I did a lot of support tours, like I supported Cat Power, The Lemonheads, G-Love and Special Source. Like anyone that would have me, I would just take my acoustic guitar and just go out and open for them. So so even though you're eating pizza and watching Donahue, you're kind of hitting the ground running. I mean, you've got a you're, you're well, well ahead of your years in terms of your career for where most people are in their teens. And, you know, you're booking you're booking some really nice support acts there. Yeah, well, because in Australia, you know, it was like, like I said, it was like the same level, but I was selling about a thousand copies of each of my albums in Australia. And I was the similar size in America, but the equivalent was like 30 to 35,000. So, you know, I could play to a nice audience in New York or LA or Chicago. It was not like a national touring act. Yeah. I had a little bit of momentum. Okay. So you've got the momentum, you're doing a bit, you move out here. I want to talk a little bit about what what was that what was that moment when you made that decision like i've got to move my life to the united states of america do you have any recollection of 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 how that went down in in your head i do remember i was i was at a party for that movie la confidential in new york and i went to the urinal and russell crowe was peeing next to me and um <laughs> And he was like, so are you, uh, where are you living? And I was like, well, I want to, I, I, I think I'd, I'd like to live in Australia, but I'm in love with someone. My girlfriend, she's from here. And 
I don't know. I just feel like if I stay, I'll never go back. And he was like, oh, you'll always go back, mate. Australia's the best country in the world. He goes, but moving for love, that's all right. That's a good reason. You know? And I was like, yeah, that is a good reason. So it was kind of a, a defining moment. He wow. has no memory of that moment too, by the way. Um, but uh, honestly, I feel like in some ways until I had kids, mm-hmm. I didn't really feel that I'd made any kind. And even kids, until they were in school, I didn't right. really feel like I had to make a decision about Got- living anywhere. Now, a couple of things that you touched on. Let's. Uh, I want to talk about city culture and, and culture because you mentioned the two-week thing, and I think it's a very common period for Australians to come out and do business and whatever it may be, music and other industries as well. Tell us about your initial culture shock and, and, and the sort of the timeline that it took to, to start to feel like you were part of the community over here in the United States. Yeah, well, there were all these funny little moments. Like, I remember, like, I befriended this young singer who was just about to put out her first record, and that was Fiona Apple. She hadn't yet put anything out yet. Okay. And she, um, and she invited me to her show. And her show was, she was opening for someone at the Universal Amphitheater, but I didn't realize that was in Universal Studios. So I took a cab and it was like basically to City Walk. And I was like, what neighborhood is this? This is the weirdest. It was like I was in Terry Gilliam's Brazil. So there was all <laughs> this kind of like culture shock, but in a lot of ways, I think, um, I don't know. I sort of always held on to my Australian playfulness and yep. openness and humor. And in some ways, I don't know, I, I, I never really, I always saw myself as like an artist first and I've never been that geographically minded. Mm-hmm. So I never really missed anywhere or never feel, really felt out of place anywhere else. Um, I was just sort of in my process where I was. Got it. Got so it. I was more interested in like, was I connecting with people? Did I find like-minded people around me? Was life interesting? Yeah. Rather than some sort of like identity based on where I was. Having said that, I can look back at my life and say some things were very defined by living in New York for five or six years and have been very defined by living in LA and very defined by keeping and protecting my connection to Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, because just like I was saying, you can't just come to LA for two weeks. You also can't just show up in Australia randomly. Like you look at even artists like Robbie Williams and Pink and like mm-hmm. those are the top level, but they've fostered a relationship with Australia that has a lot of loyalty and mutual respect. God, I think, I think succeeding anywhere involves that type of mutual respect with the place you're working in. Yeah, definitely when you're building an audience because, you know, that is mm. the, yeah, the ultimate connection. And, and business-wise too, like people mm-hmm. knowing that. But it's funny because in Australia, because my label said to me once I was around a bit and they were like, you should leave now. And I was like, why? And they were like, don't underestimate the power of being unavailable for half the year. <laughs> <laughs> How would you compare that environment to what you see now in terms of whether there is an Australian industry in music and a US industry in music? I would just say the main thing that's different now is that when people start their career, they usually already have an international perspective or vision of what Mm -hmm. they want to achieve, which we just didn't have that at all. Like it was shocking to me that my records came out in America and England and stuff like Australian bands, like maybe like the hard ons put stuff out in like South America, but it was just not, it just wasn't, it wasn't easy to do. And then American bands at the, the, the level I liked didn't even come to Australia. 
Australia would not have been on their radar as far as a touring kind of thing. So, so yeah, it used to feel really separate and now it's much more the, it's interesting in some ways they take the Australian industry more seriously because they've seen enough people come out of it that are contenders on an international level. Yes. Uh, and you know, and it's seen as a market that you can make money in too. I mean, I think it's, I think American acts and European acts want to do well in Australia, but it's, it's still thought of as a smaller win, I guess, internationally. Yep. And I think the American psychology is always bigger, bigger, better, better, more, 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 more. Mm-hmm. So sometimes smaller markets are a little bit emotionally like dismissed a little bit. And I get the logic in that, but I also think that, I don't know, for me, Australia is now like, it is my biggest touring market and that's why I'm back so much. And mm-hmm. I can have a really nice life wherever I want in the world as long as I'm willing to put it like, like I always say, like as an artist, you should be lucky enough to have one market that is like blue chip stock, you know, like for some people <laughs> yeah. it's Germany, for some right. it's Japan, for some it's France. If it's Australia, you're really lucky because Australia is like a great country to tour in throughout the year, you know? So it's interesting because on one hand, it feels very international now, but mm-hmm. I still notice that. Not every Australian act has the stomach for coming and giving it a shot in America. Cause especially they have to humble themselves if they've had success in Australia, you know? Absolutely. And that, that is a big reason why we have these conversations. Cause we're talking to the artist, the manager, whoever it could be. It doesn't really matter. Sound engineer who is thinking of moving their career to the United States. You know, it's, it's not easy. It's, it's expensive. It's, it's bewildering. And, and you have to eat some humble pie on the plane because you're not going to sh- probably show up and uh, have the same notoriety. It'll be a, a smaller fish in the bigger pond. But so, I've got to say, yeah. the Australians that end up in LA, I love them because they have all of the humility and like common sense that mm-hmm. Australians have. Yeah. But they've broken through their own glass ceiling on ambition. Right. And they're like able to like be more flamboyant and bolder and creative and in ways that maybe they felt in their smaller communities in Australia, a little more peer pressure to fit in or, you know, that sort of thing. So, so yeah, you really get kind of like the best of both worlds in the Aussies that come out here. Absolutely. I've seen that for, for sure for many years and, and enjoyed mm-hmm. it too. So, so I think what happens, obviously we go to places where our music, you know, music will be received well and also where we speak the language right so you see a lot of australians looking at london or 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 somewhere in the united states often los angeles or new york versus say you know mexico city or madrid or tokyo or berlin other places even if they do is a lot of english-speaking people there so tell me how you've seen that evolve in the last decades you know if you're going to make the journey is it london or is it the united states is that changed did you ever consider potentially ending up in england not really. Um, I, I don't know. I've always just taken a very pragmatic, like, go where you're invited. And what that can be, that can, it doesn't need to be a literal invitation. It can just be like, there's a vibe. Like there's someone there who's saying, hey, come on, let me show you how it works. Come over here. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I'm a firm believer in life that like you get little clues of what the next thing should be. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think it's just like a conceptual throwing a dart at a world map. Right. It's about you go where there's a vibe and you go where there's opportunity. And that, and that for you was, was clearly, uh, yeah, it was the just US. America was where the labels that signed me were and they had ideas and I, I worked here and there was an audience. Right. And so 
this is a very broad question, but if you were talking to an Aussie artist today, you know, who's thinking about coming to the US, what what would you what would you tell them besides go where you know go where you want it or where you feel the pull coming from? But what what else would you what what else would you tell them? Yeah, I would just say be patient and become an actual member of a community. You know what I mean? Which isn't just based on like career opportunity. It's based on friendship and laughter and sharing of ideas and all good stuff anywhere in the world comes from that, from people actually genuinely connecting. And that involves consistency. It involves showing up for people. It involves accidents and spontaneity. But I think that's really the key to embedding yourself somewhere and getting to know it properly. Absolutely. And and I think one of the interesting things about that is that there's there's communities within communities because we have our Australian community here in Los Angeles or wherever else you are. And there's, I think I read the other day, there's around a hundred thousand Australians in the United States and yeah. And a good chunk of them are in California. And so, and what, while we call originally called the Australian music Alliance, why we gave it that name, because a lot of it's about becoming part of the American community, whatever that means. Um, yeah. The city. Well, I try to, something that I, I think uh, we've talked about is, um, Particularly in the early 2000s, I saw how the actors, the Australian actors, really looked out for each other in LA. Yep. Um, and this was before the transition to streaming. So there was like pilot season where the actors would come out and do all their auditions. Mm-hmm. And it was constant barbecues and people staying with each other. And, you know, it was like Heath and Rose Byrne and Joel Edgerton and Philip Noyce and Gregor Jordan and all, all these Aussies who were like, just like willing to like help each other out, get and find their feet here. And I I found that really inspiring. And I've tried to take that attitude a bit with the music community here that Mm -hmm. when bands come out, if it's Amel and the Sniffers or Mole Rat or Cub Sport and just sort of like, yeah, hey, we'll host some drinks. Come on over, come to the house and just get like, the problem is if you come here and all you know is like a producer that you're working with or something, you can have a very isolated experience. You need like a few phone numbers of people that are not connected to you professionally, what you're doing and just like, yeah, like put some roots down, enjoy it. So, but I think that way of like Aussies looking out for each other is really nice. Absolutely. And when you go to those parties, they're often not just Aussies, you know, there's yeah, a few yeah, yeah. other people and then all of a sudden you find yourself with a, a broader net- network of friends, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's all a process. So, if you were to go back, I mean, it's a long time for you. So, this is this is an interesting question. I don't know, but before you made the trip to the United States, I would have buy stock in Facebook. (laughs) Right. So, if you're back then, what 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 advice would you give yourself before you moved here? I don't know. I don't know if you need much advice. You just like be brave, figure Mm -hmm. it out. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I did it. You know, I don't know. It's like advice is like. You know, it's more like, I'm more just like, look at other people's journeys and get courage from that they did it. Yeah. It's not that you can do anything the same way someone else did it. Right. It's more just that, hey, it can be done. Yeah. Like, and I'm speaking when, more to you personally. Like, yeah. what advice would have, was there anything you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that? Or, oh, if I'd done it this way, I mean, it would have been- a million things. A million things. Nothing right. particularly to do with moving. Nothing. Nothing particularly about being in America. Yeah. Uh, just overall, I would say maybe with my career, the realization of how long a game it is was very slow dawning on me. Mm-hmm. So y- you want to win every fight. Right. 
but the war is so long and <laughs> yeah. long careers, people come and go, you know, and that's all okay. Yeah. Um, so it's- I think that just if there's any way I could have like prepared myself for a longer term understanding of what an actual career in entertainment was, mm-hmm. But, you know, you're not meant to understand that when you're young. You're meant to burn bridges. <laughs> Absolutely. You, uh, yeah, especially when you're doing it as a teenager and yeah. you're in a world that is so focused on hits and heat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, versus just hanging in there and just doing it right for the, yeah, for the journey. Well, that is a wonderful conversation. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Ben. And yeah, good I, talk to you too. Yeah, and I really hope that others listening get a little bit of your journey and, and, and help it form theirs. So it's been great talking to you and a reminder to everyone, this is the Cockatoos interview portion where we talk about the journey, some music from Australia to the United States. Uh, we are a 501c3 nonprofit. So if you want to support what we do, you can donate or get in touch, tell us your stories, let us know your news. And thank you very much for listening.